This is Masters Cast, the first He Man and She Ra podcast, episode number four for November 13th, 2005. All right, we're back for episode number four. I'm John Callis, also known as The Shadow. I'm Josh DeLioncourt, also known as Just Lioncourt. And I'm Katie Cartier, also known as Rainbow Bright. I'd like to apologize for not having an episode last week. We were all very busy, and uh, we actually did record an episode for last week, even though Katie wasn't able to be with us because of... Stupid hurricanes. Hurricane. Hurricanes are bad, people. They're not yes. fun. Not at all. Josh and I did record an episode, however, technical difficulties, and I was not able to get it out on time. So we might actually start sticking to a three-episode-per-month format due to our busy schedules, because, you know, we're so busy. Um, <laughs> yes, we we're do in have high demand. <laughs> so we will at least have a minimum of three episodes per month, if not four. Now, this month, we hope to be able to still air the episode that we did record that you didn't get to hear as perhaps a Thanksgiving treat. So be on the lookout for that. Hopefully I can get that one re-edited and it'll be all fun for you to listen to. Now, originally we planned to cover the new adventures of He-Man this week. However, due to our busy schedule, sadly, we were not able to review the materials yet. And we can't just go into this blindly because we have to, you know, review these things before we talk about them. And because yeah, I've never seen them. Katie has never seen the new adventures of He-Man and she needs to be exposed to it. So I'm going to make sure she's on top of things. Everything is going to be great. <laughs> Don't worry. I'm going to show the best of the best. And she's going to be like, He-Man in space. Awesome. <laughs> we'll see about that. But I'm sure it'll be fine. So it'll be a fun experience. So first, before we get on to this week's topic, we got some voicemails. So I will play those for you now. Greetings from the UK. I am I'd like to complain about a previous episode where you insulted the greatest cartoon of all time, Thundercats. No, I'm not really, Cecil. Anyway, I'd like to congratulate you on a great show. I look forward to episode three. See ya. And Cecil says see ya as well. Thank you for sending in those voicemails, and you know... A lot of people were mad that we bashed the Thundercats, and this is still coming up. And some people were mad that we apologized for bashing the Thundercats. <laughs> we can't please anybody. So it's very hard. So I thought so that um, the Thundercats fans wouldn't be as mad at me, and that the people that were kind of mad that we apologized for Thundercats, I will now go through a list of cartoons I hate. <laughs> <laughs> I hate the Thundercats. I hate G.I. Joe. I hate Transformers. I hate Garfield. Um, I'm trying to think of some others that I dislike as well. How can you hate Garfield? Garfield rules. Because Heathcliff could kick his ass. Oh, Heathcliff sucks. <gasps> <laughs> More blasphemy. Hey, Heathcliff, 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 no one could Heathcliff terrorize fans. your neighborhood. <laughs> Heathcliff fans, please do not leave us voicemails. <laughs> hey, Heathcliff can be connected to Masters of the Universe because the singer of the Heathcliff theme song also sang the male part in the Secret of the Sword theme song. Yes. 
So there's a bit of trivia for you. Wow. And Heathcliff theme song just rocks. But but don't worry. There's a lot of shows I hate, not just trans or not just the Thundercats, <laughs> um, <laughs> or Transformers. You're free to like whatever you want. We personally don't care. I like the Power Rangers, <laughs> and I'm sure you all hate those. So <laughs> be nice, to little old down us. with the Power Rangers. So since this is a He-Man and She-Ra podcast, we will now. Oh wait, Josh, you, we got an interesting feedback email that uh, we would like you to talk about. Yeah, um, we got an email from Michael Fair up in the Great White North in Canada. Thank you, uh, Michael, for writing. Um, I actually know uh, Michael to a pretty good degree. He founded the accessible games uh, industry for all intensive purposes. He started the magazine that sort of um, solidified what accessible games were. And accessible games basically are computer games uh, that are audio-based for uh, blind people to play, and um, it's the industry that I'm currently working in. And um, he, as a child, was a He-Man and She-Ra fan, which um, I had known that he had mentioned in a issue of the Odyssey uh, magazine that he created and edited for many, many years. And uh, he, you, uh, he wrote to us, so thank you, Michael, for doing that. He mentions... Um, a rather amusing uh, thing in there talking about how we apologized for the Thundercats, like we were just saying. And he thought that he could hear, as we made the apology, Filmation He-Man's voice with a great deal of reverb on it, saying that his fans should have more backbone and not have to apologize for a cartoon that really sucked. So... Thank you, Michael. It was a great email, and I'm glad that uh, you're listening and enjoying Master's Cast. Yeah. I really... We should not talk about any other cartoons anymore, because I'm going to get myself in trouble. <laughs> as, am, as am I. You know, not just through the voicemails, but I've got a very close uh, friend who was not pleased with me for bashing the Thundercats. <laughs> well... Can't win them all. There you go. All right. The topic of today's podcast is, are you ready? The current state and future of our beloved Masters of the Universe and Princess of Power properties. So how does everyone feel about the current state? Obviously, She-Ra has nothing going on right now that we know of, except for classic DVD release of the Christmas special that features She-Ra and a wide array of Princess of Power characters. But He-Man, he had a new cartoon. We will get into that in a later episode. But right now, in the current, all we have are classic DVDs coming out. We have the wonderful stactions from The Four Horsemen and NECA, or Nika. I never learned how to pronounce that. (laughs) And we also have the wild rumors of a new Masters of the Universe live action movie. Well, all those things are uh, I'm I'm certainly enjoying them. The of course the uh, classic DVDs. We talked to, we did a whole episode revolving around the first um, box set of those, and those are a lot of fun. Um, the stations are really uh, really well done my only complaint right now with the stations is that they're so long in between releases um, do we even know at this point shadow when the next set is coming out i don't think they've given a final uh, announcement on that and uh, 
but uh, the next set, we of course over the summer we got the first wave, which was Hordak, uh, Clawful, and uh, Snoutspout, <laughs> and uh, those were really good. Got those. I picked those up at the San Diego Comic Con. They came out in around uh, June or July, and uh, the next set, of course, is going to have Clampchamp, Grizzlor, and Stinkor. But uh, those are really well done, and uh, as far as the live-action movie goes... Well, wait, wait, back to the stations. One topic at a time. <laughs> <laughs> so far, the stations are li- the new wave, which is, as you mentioned, Stinkor, Grizzlor, and Clampchamp, January 2006, which isn't that far off. I do wish they would come out faster, but what can you do? Now, Josh... Now, can you describe oh. these to someone who maybe has not... Seen them? I think I saw some at the uh, Chicago con. Well, you but I don't did. You saw anything. Randor, right? Yes. Okay. I did. Well, see I will Randor. leave the describing uh, first up to Josh because why don't you explain why that these are so much better at times for you to be able to really know what the new character designs look like? Well, the stations basically. Well, staction is um, an unofficial term that the Four Horsemen coined for basically what are mini statues um, cast in, from resin. Um, they're basically about the same size as the action figures were, so about six inches or so tall. Um, they are not articulated. They do not have any moving parts uh, whatsoever. Uh, however, the detail of these is quite a bit bigger, better than the figures were, which already were very well done from Mattel. The, the detailing on those was very good. The Staction uh, statues are even more detailed, and uh, it would be nice if they could move. And I do miss the, the action figures, but they're, they're really nice um, additions since we're not getting the figures at this point. And, uh, of course, they come with uh, stands for you to stand them on. And um, really, uh, really nicely, really well done. Actually, in my opinion, I like them more than the action figures because at this point in time, my action figures are just standing. I'm not making battle scenes with them. So (laughs) I actually like these better because I would be able to have shelves and stand them there and stare at them for hours. As I'm I sure you do. I mean, can you? I'm sure a lot of you could just picture me sitting in a chair, <laughs> staring at my wall for like an hour, you know, waiting I, for the other a, hand, a good TV show to come on. <laughs> <laughs> I, on the other hand, do set my figures up on my display shelves in battle scenes. So, and I tend to switch them around fairly frequently. So, well, you're just now more creative this- than me in that department. <laughs> Now, these are in limited quantity, correct? Because I remember it was pretty difficult for people to get a hold of Randor, and I'm assuming the others were probably the Yes, same well, story. Randor was limited because he was a convention exclusive. Okay. And obviously, with the each wave that they release, which will be three figures. Actually, they talked about that they may be going to a four Well, in any case, there's wave. always going to be in a, a figure or two in each wave that is more popular than the other two. Gotcha. For example, the first wave, we had Hordak, Clawful, and Snoutspout. (laughs) (laughs) Now, Hordak is obviously going to be a big seller, being the best Masters of the Universe character ever created. But I digress. (laughs) please. (laughs) I love Hordak, but he's hardly the best. Everyone knows that Skeletor is the true villain. (laughs) 
Hordak is going to sell more than the others. If you yeah. go, even if these were being sold directly to fans, you know, and no one else was picking these up, Hordak has more of a presence. He's going to sell the best. So, and even in that respect, some will be harder to obtain than the others. But at least we're getting these and we're quite happy with them. At least I am. Are these, I'm assuming, showing up on eBay? Oh, yeah. Do they go for pretty high? When they first come out. Okay. Especially, you know, when someone can't obtain them. They they were available also at your local, say, Media Play, Suncoast, Sam Goody. Those types of places, comic book stores, and also online. So, Do you know about how much they run when they first come out just for new fans that might be on the lookout for them come January? Usually a set of three was about uh, 50 to $55 for the whole okay. set of three. So it's not that bad. And no. plus, remember, you are getting a higher quality product than an action figure. Right. So. Sweet. It warrants the price. But we just wanted to give the Staxions a bit of audio time on our show because we do like them and we know the fans love them and we want the sales to continue to be strong and everyone to support them and the four horsemen for doing such wonderful new designs for us and keeping the line going even after the action figure line has ceased to exist unfortunately unfortunately now there have been rumors that perhaps there's a slight 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 minuscule little blip on the radar of hope (laughs) that another company would get to do He-Man action figures. Hmm. How do you guys feel about that? Well, I'd I would be... be... <laughs> Go ahead, Katie. I was just going to say, I would be all for it. Um, more figures, the merrier, if you ask me. Yeah, and I'm pretty much with uh, Katie on that one. I, I would love to see some more figures done as long as, uh, at this point, uh, my my big wish would be to make sure that they do... Uh, fit seamlessly in with the figures that we did get from the new line. And if they don't, um, at least keep more or less the same designs and, uh, you know, release all of the, at least especially the main characters, the He-Man, Skeletor, Man-at-Arms, etc., in in a format that is seamless. Because I do like to display, and I don't, I wouldn't want to mix and match if they don't uh, go, you know, if they don't match well. I think it'd be cool to have more detailed figures of the old characters, if you know what I mean. Like, the newer figures that they made were based on the new cartoon. So they had the new outfits, the new swords, all that. Um, so it'd be cool to have, like, an updated version of the old figures, in my opinion, using the old, the all, using all the same weaponry, the same costumes, just an updated version of them. I think that would be really neat to see. Yeah, like, I think a, a classic He-Man... You know, with more of the colors from the 80s mm-hmm. and the sword from the 80s, I think that would sell. A lot of people complain about, we don't want He-Man variants. We don't want Skeletor variants. However, if they are starting a new action figure line, and really, if it is with another company, it will be considered a new line. Mm-hmm. I think you got to throw He-Man and Skeletors in there. You have to. Definitely. Even with the stactions, I think later in the... You're going to get to characters that aren't that familiar with the general public or some fans might not even be that familiar with because they weren't in the cartoon or something to that matter. But if you throw a Battle Armor He-Man, a Terra Claws Skeletor update in there, fans will buy those. Fans, in my, from what I see, generally accept the classic variants, unlike the new variants. 
Well, remember too with the new variants that what was a big issue was that we got too many of them too quickly. They were very spread out. Uh, we got basically, I think, double or more as many variants in the year that the the line was going well. Uh, the new line was going well that we then we got in the you know the full five or six years that the original line ran. Yeah. So too many, too fast, but none of them really captured the essence of the original variants. I mm. loved Battle Sound He-Man, but mostly because he kind of looked like Battle Armor He-Man. So see, <laughs> when you get that reference in your head, then you end up liking the figure. Yeah, I think the best of the uh, variants from the new line was definitely the Snake Armor He-Man, but um, I'm mostly happy with just the, the plain old regular one. None, none of the new ones, especially when they started getting... You know, from in my opinion, borderline silly with the samurai He Man and the the uh, jungle attack He Man and some of those. Well, with were... samurai He Man, I can see where they're coming from with what's popular with kids. I didn't really like yeah. the de- the design; could have been better, but I I still think it was at least some type of attempt to connect with children. That makes sense. I mean, they are into that martial arts and say, Dragon Ball Z or something, which might not even be as popular now, but Pokemon, yeah, that kind of stuff, you know, Yu-Gi-Oh. The, it's all the, that Japanese the, influence. Yeah, the, the thing is, and I really don't really have a problem with that per se, I think it could have been blended into Masters better than it was with the Samurais. Look, look at the martial arts He-Man figure. That one was actually a pretty good figure, and I, I liked the design on that one a thousand times more than the Samurai. Well, I did. I did like that design better as well. Uh, as for another company doing the action figures, there are arguments you can make for Mattel to be for it and why they would be against it. Obviously, I just don't know about them giving up one of their flagship properties. I mean, companies are like that. It's my property. Even if I'm going to sit on it for ten years, no one else is going to touch it. So. Yeah. I don't know how how that can be remedied, even maybe if it was some type of partnership where Mattel's logo is still on there, some type of outsourcing, if you will. Hmm. I might see a more positive reaction from Mattel. Yeah, and I think that would be a wise thing to do if if there's any hope of them still capitalizing on the 80s uh, nostalgia. I mean, look at Look at us right now. We're all in our 20s. Um, we're huge fans of this property, but as as far as the twenty somethings who maybe remember the property, but weren't m- massive fans like we are, now is the time that you want to sell to those fans. Now is the time you're going to capture them, get them to introduce their kids to it, so that maybe future generations will have the nostalgia factor going. If they wait too much longer, those twenty somethings are going to be thirty or forty somethings, and you know their memories are going to be fading as the years go by. What you know, what little memories they may have of the original <laughs> at this point. Now is the time, really, for them to capitalize on the nostalgia of the casual fans from back then. All right, then on that point, recapturing nostalgia. Fox has optioned a new He-Man movie. Now that, by all means, does not mean that one will happen. <laughs> Movie companies option rights all the time. But should Mattel use a live action movie to once again reintroduce He-Man to the masses? 
I have an opinion here. I'd love to hear. Not just on the movie, but the timing for re-releasing more He-Man, mm-hmm. whether it be toys, movies, shows, whatnot. I kind of, in a way, wish they would wait. It seems like every other year they're coming out with something, but they're going to run out. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm just thinking about my parents and their nostalgic things from you know when they were kids. I mean, they just came out with a new Herbie movie, for example. You know, Herbie, the originals were made I did, when in the I did 50s, see the 60s. new Herbie movie. And my dad loved it. He said it was just great. And mm-hmm. I'm hoping when we get older that we will have something new at that point. Ah. I'm afraid if they use up all the ideas now, when we get in our 30s, 40s, whatnot, there will be nothing left because they will have done it all. So I, I don't know. There's part of me that, because I know they're still going to, we're like Josh was just saying, our memories, yeah, they're, they're going to fade some, but they're not going to go away. And even when we're older, in our 40s, whatnot, we're still going to remember our childhood fondly, and we're still going to want, you know, nostalgic, vintage things. Like, that. I mean, that's what antique stores are for, people going and finding stuff from their childhood, yes. or eBay, you know. My mom got on there and bought, I think, Beanie and Cecil toys, or things from... <laughs> uh, Oh, what's that other cartoon with the Rocky and Bullwinkle, (laughs) you know? So I think older adults, they still go for nostalgia. And I think our generation will be the same when we get that old, when we reach that age. So I think it would be nice to hold. I think it's a valid point. The only reason I think that they should push for a new movie is to capitalize on the Thundercats live, or not Thundercats, excuse me, Transformers live action movie that's going to come out in 2007 true i if they're going to push an, a live action movie i think that they if they're going to do this they need to hop on the you know subway system and get there by 2007 because <laughs> thundercats is going to have a media or oh why do i keep saying thundercats you people that write in about the thundercats have got me brainwashed <laughs> <laughs> and even though i do not like transformers i will see the transformers movie because if i don't see it i can't comment on it <laughs> So anyway, in 2007, a new Transformers movie is going to come out. And I feel that that'll be a whole big 80s boom again with, you know, media blitz surrounding Transformers. So if you're another 80s property and you want to have a live action movie, I think you should capitalize on that. Just like all those other superhero movies that came out to capitalize on the success of Spider-Man. It's the Mm. same type of logic. And I mean... Not all of them are going to succeed, but if you get in there soon enough and you have uh, the product that has the quality that the people will be looking for, the He-Man movie could outshine the Transformers movie while building off of its success. And I agree um, on uh, on that point very much so, actually. the Capitalizing on the Transformers uh, would be fantastic. I think... And I've I've been saying this for a long time. If they do a Masters movie, and I know there's going to be fans who disagree, I think there's two things that are really important. One is not to drastically alter uh, the core story and uh, mythos of Masters, um, which is something that we see them do time and time again with those kinds of movies. Um, the first Batman movie with Michael Keaton, as much as I love that movie, 
Um, there were a lot of people who didn't because it sort of rewrote the Batman origin story. Um, I don't think they should do that with a He-Man movie. And I also think that they need to bear in mind that a huge, um, a huge percentage of the people going to see this movie are going to be adults who remember masters from their childhood. And I think it needs to be taken a little more seriously than it ever has been and darken it up a little bit, not a lot, um, but take it, take it seriously, darken it up and um, that kind of thing. Well, I think one contributing factor that may um, determine whether or not they do that and it may only be slightly contributing, but I really have to applaud what Warner Brothers is doing right now with the new Harry Potter film that comes out next week. The Harry Potter franchise is, you know, for generally speaking, it's a children's, you know, a property aimed at children. And they, books, as the books go on, they mature and the, the kids that are the main characters grow up. And in the new film, um, they are honoring that and have made a movie that's warranted a PG-13 rating, which I think is pretty revolutionary, considering uh, at the young audience that the last three films have been aimed at. And I think if it does well, um, it would probably bode well for a darker, more serious Masters movie. And if they took Masters that direction, I think um, it would absolutely outshine the Transformers film. On something that uh, Katie was talking about, she was talking about uh, kind of wishing that they would wait um, and, you know, afraid that they would run out of ideas as uh, time went by and we might not get any more Masters things in the future. My thought on that, um, I did want to respond to that, is Masters is a, in my opinion, one of the strongest superhero-like properties that are out there. Granted, it does not have the popularity of Superman, Batman, etc., etc., but I think it's got a lot stronger um, story and a lot more possibilities than your run-of-the-mill superhero or uh, fantasy comic book-type properties. I think if managed correctly, uh, Masters has definitely the potential to go on indefinitely um, you know, for generations and generations of kids continuing to reintroduce them. The problem that Masters has had over the last 20 years is horrible, horrible management um, at all different levels. Um, and we don't really need to go into all that. It's not the focus of this podcast. But I think if, if Masters ever gets to a point where the property as a whole is being well-managed, um, I don't think there's any need for it to die out and have to continually be making a comeback every 10 years. So are we all in agreement that the movie needs to have its basis in the classic roots, not yes. the Mike Young revamped Mattel thingy from 2002? Yeah, totally classic for me. Josh? Um, I'm not sure that it needs to be... Um, entirely either way. The the classic and the new storylines were not drastically different. There were some things that were different. I think um, character designs, uh, costumes, that sort of thing that are like the new line um, is would probably be a good move. More realistic, uh, more easily trans uh, translated to screen. 
as far as actual story content, um, the classic storyline I would prefer, um, but I don't think that there's enough difference that it matters that much which one they honor in the film, as long as they stick to something close to one or the other or both. Um, I don't. I think that they really need to mesh a little bit of the new design with the old design, perhaps. I mean, obviously, these are going to have different designs so they can sell different action figures. The only main thing I want is the classic sword. Yes. <laughs> and perhaps a Castle Grayskull that looks more like Filmations than the new design. Not Do you guys f- have any... Like, are there any big mysteries of the He-Man universe that you think would be nice that they wrapped up or answered in a live-action movie? Or do you guys think that most things have been explained throughout the episodes, books, whatnot? Actually, I would like to see... I would like to see a really, really great opening. The Mike Young cartoon had this possibility of a great opening with Captain Randor going to the Hall of Wisdom and speaking with the elders before Keldor came and did his bad stuff. I kind of envision a type of opening that's really grand like that that doesn't even involve, you know, He-Man is not in the picture yet. Right. Sort of a flashback opening, but I want it to be rooted more in the classic. Say perhaps the Green Goddess is shown you know, we have the Hall of Wisdom. Maybe we get some type of little history of Castle Grayskull before, you know, we get into the actual plot. And we don't have to have the origin of He-Man in the movie. A lot of people understand, okay, this is, you know, Prince Adam, he turns into He-Man. Right. I don't know if we really need to see him obtaining the sword again, unless it's done fairly quickly. Mm-hmm. Then again, I mean, you have Spider-Man, and that had you know, his origin. But then again, there was never a Spider-Man movie. We've already had a He-Man movie. We've had three cartoon series. I, I don't know. I just don't think of an, an origin story as the way to go. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I agree. An origin story. Um, I don't think we need one. I do agree at the, to spend a few minutes right at the beginning of the film giving uh, an origin of Castle Grayskull preferably personally based on the you know more or less around the storybook castle grace that's exactly what i was referencing right exactly that would be um, a really good way to open it the green goddess i would rather she was left out of it um and and maybe instead of using her uh use the sorceress or one of her predecessors like uh Kodak Ungol. Uh, Kodak Ungol and all that, yeah. Uh, something along those lines, but definitely um, the I think a history, a, a origin for Castle Grayskull would be far more important um, and uh, more interesting in a, a film setting than the story of uh, He-Man because it would be setting up, you know, why why are these two factions, the you know He-Man and the heroes, Skeletor and his minions, why are they fighting over this castle? Really set it up and uh, let the story go from there. I think that would be a great way of doing the film. Now, do you guys see this? It, say the movie does happen. Do you think that they should already be thinking, perhaps in the terms of trilogy? Of course. It's like, yes, we I want as much as possible. <laughs> I, I, if you really think about it, we have Skeletor, main villain. We have King Hiss, who is... 
kind of a main villain. And then you have Hordak, who's definitely a main villain. That could lend itself to three movies. And mm-hmm. either the second or third would have your introduction of She-Ra, whichever, how you're going to handle that with a horde, especially if we're staying with classic storyline, which mm-hmm. we must. No, Hordak in Despondos stuff. Instead, he's on Etheria, as he should be. Um, <laughs> but I really, th- I feel that it could be a trilogy, you know, because if, if you get into, say, five movies, because a lot of people would say Masters of the Universe, that lends itself to, you know, t- ten movies. But realistically speaking, look what happened to Batman. You know, you had Batman, Batman Returns, Batman Forever. Then by Batman and Robin, you had so many people running around in that movie, you couldn't really <laughs> develop anything. Yeah. So Harry Potter's the only one that can have a million movies. Now, see, that, be good. of course, is rooted, though, in a, you know, a con- continuity-based line yes. of books. So y- with He-Man, you're kind, of, you're kind of patching things together as you, as you go along. That's and true. and again, He-Man's not going to have that popularity basis, yeah. concrete basis that Harry Potter has right now. But I really feel trilogy, and it can be like Star Wars, where there are unanswered questions at the end of the movie. You can have hints to, oh, there's a, a twin sister that was captured. You can have hints that the Horde was once on Eternia. You got to leave these hints in, and it you know really lends to threading a nice you know storyline throughout a trilogy. And one thing to bear in mind as we're talking about all of this, the new film, right now, in, in, within the next couple of years, would really be an ideal time to release a live-action Masters movie. Masters of the Universe is, at its, at its core, it's a sword and sorcery property. All other aspects aside, it is mainly sword and sorcery. And at this point in time... The sword and sorcery properties, fantasy films, uh, and fantasy in general is at a is at a peak in its popularity. Between the Lord of the Rings, Harry Potter, the new uh, Chronicles of Narnia film that's coming out. Plus, you do have all those superhero movies. All the superhero movies, which um, aren't exactly fantasy, but there's some aspects of that. Right now is an excellent time to capitalize not just on the 80s nostalgia that we were talking about before, but on the popularity of fantasy and fantasy films. Very good point. All right. Now, there's one one person that's waiting in the wings. She's waiting for her return. And that would be She-Ra and the cast of Princess of Power. What Should Mattel just be sitting on this property that obviously has... A very high rate of name recognition. She-Ra is a, definitely a recognized character. Perhaps a lot of the or the rest of the cast of She-Ra is not as famous as many of the Masters of the Universe characters. But She-Ra herself is a name. Yes. Should Mattel be sitting on this? I, mean, I could see them waiting till they release all the classic He-Man DVDs before releasing her. I could understand that. But it doesn't seem like they even have any plans to do anything at this point, which I think is really sad. And I think they need to do something with her. Now, would would we accept, just throwing this out here, say Mattel decides to go go with a new She-Ra line of toys and a cartoon. Would we accept 
a She-Ra that is completely separated from He-Man? I think we could. It depends on if they keep her, you know, somewhat, uh, somewhat like her old self. I wouldn't want her to. I wouldn't want them to totally revamp her, rechange her to some Bratz doll looking ditz. You know, <laughs> she's got to still be her. She's still got to be She-Ra. Um, but I think if they kept her close to, you know, what we know as She-Ra, that yes, I think fans would accept her by herself without her big brother over her shoulder, making sure she's okay all the time. Yeah, it would be harder for me, I think, um, to accept that. I would certainly um, give it its fair shot. But um, as I've stated in previous podcasts as well, for me, Masters of the Universe has always inherently included She-Ra and the the cast of Princess of Power, and I don't think that um, those should be or could be successfully separated, at least not successfully to me. I I, I don't think that there's... there's I love She-Ra, I love everything, but to me, you can't arbitrarily take any character and say, you know, we're going to do a, you know, a whole line based on the Snake Men, and it's not going to be related to Masters, or we're going to do a whole line based on the Horde, and it's not going to be related to Masters. To me, Princess of Power is as much a part of Masters as any other subsection, and uh, I would be very disappointed if they tried to separate any of any of the subsections from the the Masters property, and I think it would be a bad move, because Masters is something that's very well uh, recognized. I, I think it's easily argued that Masters is much more recognizable than Princess of Power, regardless of, of her level of popularity um, back in the 80s. And I think that keeping them as a uh, connected set of properties um, would not only um, help the She-Ra line succeed, um, but I think they, it would also please the fans. I think that there, there's really, if they did separate it, I think they would be losing uh, much more than they would be gaining. You make a point. A lot of Masters Universe fans who are not fond of she- She-Ra or Princess of Power are still going to buy She-Ra, etc. related products if she's still integrated with Masters of the Universe. But if she's separated... They'll be like, oh, our wish dream has come true or something. I don't know. <laughs> They'll throw a party. I don't know. I think, I think children of today would probably enjoy her, though. I'm, yeah, definitely I'm children. Yeah. Yeah. I can't say I'm up on current cartoons. I've kind of gotten out of the loop. But uh, just from what I've seen when I'm walking through the store, uh, the toy aisles, you know, I don't really see any strong female characters. I see a bunch of little skinny waifs that do nothing but wear clothes and go to the mall and, you know... Um, I mean, there's Powerpuff Girls. Yeah, thank you. (laughs) The Powerpuff Girls are pretty cool, but still, they're very unrealistic. Um, I think someone who actually looks like a human woman (laughs) um, with magical powers and, you know, very very strong character, I think that would be really cool for today's females of, you know, of that age. Yeah, I really don't, I don't know if I could accept it. I would, I would like to say that I would watch it. If the cartoon, but to be completely separated from the Masters of the Universe realm, if you will, 
I agree would be a bad move because you're you're definitely taking away a big, a big portion of the a potential fan base that you could have. As for how would they launch it if He-Man isn't really in popularity right now, I'm not really sure how they could handle that. As far as a cartoon, I'm, are you going to still reference He-Man even though the kids might not even know who He-Man is by that point? Hmm. It's it's a bit of a tricky situation. It's how do you do, say, Supergirl without ever mentioning Superman? Or Batgirl, and not Batman. Yeah. Something along those lines. Or it's hard to have a Robin. That's like they ran into that problem, you know, in this. There was a Supergirl movie made, and they say something like, I forget, Superman is out in space fighting a meteor, meteor or something. I can't remember. But, you know, it, you have to make that reference because people will sit there and say, well, here's Supergirl, but why isn't Superman helping her? Same like if you had a Robin movie or a Nightwing movie, you're like, where is Batman? Why isn't he helping? Well, I don't know. She wasn't He-Man's sidekick. She was just as powerful as he was. I know, but I'm saying is if we completely separate her from Masters of the Universe, people will say, oh, here's She-Ra, but where's He-Man? Don't you think? It's just if you had... She's just well, so recognized with, with He-Man. Yeah, people with foreknowledge of the line. I guess I'm thinking more of children who would be introduced to She-Ra for the first time. So um, would it be okay then need to know. if Mattel said, well, okay, we might get some collectors that'll buy you know, She-Ra and perhaps some of the other characters that we would remember from childhood. But even though that they're not now connected with He-Man, they don't really care because they're going full force for, you know... Uh, I don't know, girls 5 to 11 or something. Well, it seems there are more um, more fans of the Masters line and of the toys. So if they were to connect it like you're talking about, do you really think they would sell more keeping it connected than they would if they made it totally separate? Well, I think it would depend on what type of merchandising they're releasing. Right. If it's the miniature action figures with brushable hair you might have (laughs) you'll have people that don't want that if if they truly did what they were supposed to do in the 80s which was an action figure line to appeal to girls but what they didn't what they knew was girls were buying he-man toys so what you should have done is the reversal where is you know your large portion is going to be girls but then also have a large portion of boys buying them too Mm -hmm. that would have been the best way i think to cross pollinate if you will the the lines <laughs> that's so, a very strange way of putting it so so should they just perhaps wait wait on shira for perhaps the new movie or or a brand new car because you know if we get the new movie and the movie is a hit that can then generate a new cartoon series based on the success of the movie should that maybe be then- the new cartoon then could be Instead of just calling it He-Man Masters of the Universe, you know, put them together from the get-go. Not make a He-Man line, or make a He-Man cartoon, and then, oh, let's make a She-Ra one as well, and put it right afterward. You know, I think that they incorporated both of them together from the beginning, that it would be more acceptable to, to everyone involved, really. Oh, I agree. I think either that or have them just both in the same show to begin with. Yeah. Or even somehow it's Masters of the Universe and one week it's He-Man on Eternia. The next week it's She-Ra on Etheria. And crossover stories yeah, and, along yeah, the, the way. Yeah, the crossover potential is you know even greater 
since you are still actively on Eternia and on Etheria. Unlike when the She-Ra show was going on, He-Man wasn't in production anymore, so you couldn't actually have a true crossover where, say, part one would have been a He-Man episode, and then mm. part two would be concluded on the She-Ra series. Oh, that would have been cool. I think that would have been great. Well, I think that was an insightful episode. It's always good to look to the future and discuss what we would like to see, what we think would happen, what we think are the good ways to go on the information superhighway that is Masters of the Universe and Princess of Power. Thanks again for listening. We promise, I promise, you have my word, the next episode will be dedicated to the new adventures of He-Man. So if you have any comments you want to send in on the new adventures of He-Man, you can send us a voicemail or an email. Go to masterscastoneword.com. Click on submit your voice or comments and you can send us in whatever you want. You can be nice. You can be mean. We are ready to attack the new adventures of He-Man and the beast that it is. All 65 episodes of fun, fun, fun in space. So thanks for listening. We will be back next week. I am John Callis, the Shadow. I am Josh DeLioncourt. And I am Katie Cartier, known as Rainbow Bright. Good journey. Good journey. Yay. Yay.